2: You are listening to the Glass Cannon Network, the premier source for role-playing game entertainment. Welcome to Cannon Fodder, a behind-the-scenes look at the Glass Cannon Network. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Kind of Fodder. It's me, your old pal, Joe O'Brien. And it is Wednesday, October 18th, 2023. And I'm Troy. I wasn't in the Discord, so I didn't know the show was starting La valley. <laughs> and I'm like 90% sure whatever tech situation we have going on here... <laughs> <laughs> just pinged when you went in the discord and they heard it in the show like i'm, I'm pretty sure <laughs> it went in, unless it was just on my end but uh hey guys don't worry troy's in the discord well hey well, hey he did it uh welcome back everybody oh, that must have sounded really funny to you because so if you're not in the discord you don't <laughs> hear the intro music of the show so you were just sitting in complete silence and then i just screamed in your ear
0: Yeah. And I don't have it on uh, our video, so I'm not watching you. I was I was looking on Amazon for a Halloween costume,
2: (laughs) (laughs) and then I just heard, "Yo,
0: my god, stop! Why are you yelling?"
2: (laughs) Oh, the show started. Cutting it awful close, buddy. Just now looking for a Halloween costume. Oh, Dude, this is classic La Valley. I know. Dude, we're going to Chicago and St. Louis next week. <laughs> this is insane. It's insane. I mean, you were putting up Halloween decorations on September 1st. Why? I was. Why were you not ordering a Halloween costume at that time? Dude, I just put up a
0: nine foot stay puff marshmallow man on my lawn yesterday. I was like, <laughs> I know it's 165 bucks, but I really want this. Now I got, it brought me so much joy. I looked at it like six times yesterday. I'm like, look at that. Uh, so I'm still getting ready for it, but I'm like, holy shit. There's just so much going on as always that I forgot like, oh fuck, we're going to Chicago and this is our Halloween show. We haven't even talked about this on the show. We're sold out in St. Louis. We're, we're getting pretty close to a sellout in Chicago. Chicago finally came around.
2: If you're coming to those shows, Put on a costume. It's Halloween. It's Halloween. Put on a costume. I'm going to be costumed up. St. Louis sold out again. Yep. uh, Because it's sold out. They opened up a whole bunch of new tickets, and it's sold out again. So St. Louis, hey, give yourselves a hand, St. Louis. Great work. St. Louis. And Chicago, yeah, Chicago turned it around. Just a a few tickets left there if you want to pick those up. In fact, what is funny is there is one single vip ticket left as of the taping of this episode for chicago is there is really? <laughs> one vip ticket and it is essentially the last vip experience left for the year like That's all the right. other shows are sold out in vip so if you want that last john in chicago uh head to our head to our website pick it up uh dot slash tour uh <laughs> man this is this is gonna be awesome oh speaking of which yes hey how about this? You talking to me if you want or a them. free ride. No, I'm talking to them. Okay. No, I'm not talking oh, back to, to my you. Cost. I'm talking to them. Back to the reviews on this costume. If you're going to St. Louis and you're going to sh- or you're going to Chicago and you want a little free ride into the VIP, what? You can volunteer to help us out with merch and I believe there's still a spot left for each show. So if Word. you want to volunteer uh for that, where do they go, Troy? Is it volunteers at networkcom
0: Yes, volunteers yeah. at networkcom And uh who's who's heading up the uh, St. Louis table? Is Jen coming on? K Rob. K Rob our right. buddy. close to Cincinnati.
2: Yep, exactly. So uh K Rob's gonna be the captain of the merch team there. And if you wanna if you get uh in on that, you get a free uh uh, ride into the vip after party so go ahead and uh email volunteers at com if you want to be a part of it just put in the subject line st louis volunteer or chicago volunteer and then it's easier for us to uh get you on the list and we'll we'll reach out and, and talk more so anyway let's get into the other oh, news yeah. network news that is top top of the line this week uh, uh first Voyagers of the Jump is out, baby. Season two, it aired. It started this week. We mentioned it last week. It was coming. It aired to resounding success, which was not a surprise uh, for me at all. People in chat were going nuts. Uh, it was awesome. So uh, check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can listen to Voyagers of the Jump season two. Right? When, I went, when I went into surgery last week, um,
0: I was uh, concerned as the lights went out that I would never see season two of Voyagers of the Jump.
2: I'm so glad I lived see it. <laughs> We're all happy you lived, Troy. Uh, we, we got through New York Comic Con. Troy was post – do you just call it post-surgery? 72 hours from surgery. 72 I had, hours from surgery. He's yeah. in recovery. No doctor alive would have cleared him to travel to Comic Con, walk the length of the Javits Center, and then sit in a chair for two hours in front of an audience and uh, laugh a lot that would that's bad for stitches
0: you know i I pride myself on the hustle uh I think nowadays hustle is sort of like uh you the the younger generation uh doesn't like hustle they're just like give me money help me pay my bills uh but I've, I've taken things too far. I should not have been at New York <laughs> <laughs> I just I just – I had a, a hernia uh, and I had to get a hernia operation as my first operation. And uh, it just – it had to get done because I wanted to be recouped by the holidays. And so uh, a week ago, uh, I, I got it done. And I had that date on the calendar. And there was – after I got home, I was like, how the hell am I going to do this? I should just email Joe and be like, here's what I've written can you just run this and i'm like well let's wait it out and then the next day came and i'm like i should i should really email him give him some time because i can't email him friday morning and uh day of show yeah and then friday came and i was like all i got to do is take a lift there get out of the car slowly walk to the exhibition hall where i have to do this the, the performance room slowly walk back to a lift and go home and it was it was exhausting honestly the lift rides we're as bad as the walking because of all the fucking bumps in the car. I'm like, oh, I just tore it. Oh, I just tore the mesh. Oh, it's gone. And then I get there, and it's such a long fucking walk. And I'm walking like <laughs> Mr. Burns, just like, dude
2: <laughs> dude.
0: it took me almost 40 minutes to get from the street to our all, And then it ended, and I just walked. I tapped you on the back and walked out and said goodbye to
2: anybody slowly got back to the lift uh but i
0: did it and i don't think i tore anything so you know, here we are
2: here we are you did it you did it. uh comic con show was awesome uh hopefully we'll you'll see that down the line same thing with san diego comic con we're still working to get that video out uh, yeah. a lot of legal and licensing stuff that's not has nothing to do with us uh going on behind the scenes on that so hopefully you you guys will get a chance to see those shows and if you will uh sh- Candified is the place where you'll find out the answers you need on that. We'll, we'll keep you posted on that. Um, also, I uh, want to keep you posted on the biggest news of the week, which is the subscription service beta is over. True. It's open. We're public. The new subscription service is open and active. If you've been listening to the show and kind of following the news on the beta, uh, be aware it is now open for you to transition your Patreon over to the GCN subscription service where you can get all of our uh, exclusive shows as separate podcast feeds fed directly to whatever podcast player you prefer. And uh, subscribe to the shows you want in the order you want and, and you know, just – as if it's its own podcast on each show which uh, is very exciting and fantastic and that post went out last week so yeah
0: now to yeah. be clear you're not paying for each individual show you sign up for a plan and then you have a, the avail all the shows available to you at that plan and you can pick and choose and subscribe instead of one giant feed I know there are like four people that are going to miss that giant feed but it's it's bad it's, it's not good for us it's not good for anybody we can't tell who's downloading what it's impossible to find any, anything so the new service just gets rid of all of that. And uh, I mean, so far, people have been loving it. Now, if you are a Patreon subscriber, you need to follow the exact link that was posted on the Patreon page to get the grandfathered in prices to the new plans. If you're not a Patreon subscriber or you were and you want to come back, just go to jointheneish.com and join the new service.
2: Yeah. Uh, can we put that link just in the show notes of this episode of Canifoder? Yeah, like can we mean, just put that sh- link in it, these show notes?
0: That link is in all the other show notes. It should be going into this one, but I don't know.
2: Oh, you mean Join the Nation? Oh, I'm saying that Patreon link. Like, can yeah, we put it that be, in there? That?
0: that goes in the link to all the YouTube descriptions, but okay. I, don't I don't know who's in charge of doing the cannon fodder YouTube descriptions.
2: Yeah, that, that would be me. But, oh, I, you it. know, it, it's I'm just making sure it would work. So if we you have clicked on that, that link.
0: Yeah, you go to jointhenation.com right now, it takes you right to the new service.
2: Okay, um, so you don't need to have a specific link if you're currently a Patreon subscriber. If you you're
0: currently a su- Patreon subscriber, yes. No, you need to that's go to what I'm saying.
2: Can we put that link in the show notes for this episode? Uh, I'm of sorry. Uh, maybe. Maybe. We'll try. If it's there, <laughs> click on it. Because yeah, the I mean, point, here's no, the point. Yes, if yes you're you a can, Patreon here's why you can. Because yeah.
0: it's useless if you're not – you won't do anything if you're not a Patreon
2: subscriber. You have to be logged in with your Patreon email for that to have any use to you. Right. So basically – Regardless if you find it in these show notes or on Patreon, in the feed on Patreon where there's a big post that sh- shows you how to do everything. If you're a current Patreon subscriber, you're going to want to make sure that you are using your Patreon login credentials and not just like matching them, like actually linking your Patreon in the back end to the new subscription service. That is the only way you're going to be able to get the discount on the uh on the move over. So please uh go ahead, do that, and and join the new subscription service. And Man, after that smooth sound, it'll be like you just have all these episodes on your on your phone that are exclusive to you, but they look just like your other podcasts. It's it's amazing. Uh, so yeah, so check that out and and that's it in terms of the the news. Do you have anything else newsworthy, or can I move into talk about episode New- five of Campaign
0: newsworthy. Deuce worthy? Uh, no, we got Extra Life coming up soon. We'll be talking about that. That's something we really got to fucking get on. Really excited for the Midwest shows, and uh, before you know it, we'll be talking State of the Nation. State of the Nation. Yeah, it's usually around this time of year that we. It start. usually is, but I haven't heard any State shit about it. Well, there's, there's some things to talk about. <laughs> a lot of things. Got a lot of things to talk about.
2: <laughs> uh, well, yes, if there is an air date for a State of the Nation, you'll, you'll hear it here first. So uh, keep keep an ear on on the FOD. All right, let's talk about some GCP. Particularly, uh, we're just going to do this through the lens of we are stupid because this is another chunk episode of combat hazards uh healing saves uh, terrible clerics it is a whole (laughs) uh, host of issues that come together in episode five where i think we really see i mean I, i know that we really see we get a first glimpse into how awful this campaign is going to be and how people are going to die it's Kind of ridiculous to think that they wouldn't. But (laughs) let's let's go into uh, we are stupid here and we'll dig in piece by piece to what I would say. Maybe we don't call this section. We are stupid. Maybe we call it Troy is mean.
0: <laughs> I don't like that and one as
2: abuses much. his GM privileges. let's wow. just call it that section today. Wow uh, there are a couple rules uh, issues here but for the most part I'm gonna ask you about what um what decisions you made uh, to uh, put these encounters together So first we have this awesome extra planar hazard. That is just like a such a cool idea. I called it like the planar bends. You know, when these other worlds kind of cross, it has this uh, impact on your uh, on your system where it starts, uh, you know, bubbling, boiling your blood or whatever you want to call it. It um, starts
0: tearing <clears throat> microscopic holes
2: in <throat> your body as the yes. planes are crossing over. It's, 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 it's like radiation damage, right? Like it's like, as the planes are crossing over, your, your insides are being torn apart at a microscopic level. Very, very, very cool. Um, So did you think about uh, giving us chances to see this coming?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it has, uh, to detect it, you need to be uh, trained in perception, which all of you are. But when you're, when there's a, uh, whatchamacallit. Um, like trained expert master uh, attached to it. The the players have to ask to look for it; otherwise, the the hazard goes off. Is that
2: an actual rule?
0: Yeah, yeah. If 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 it has, if it's at least trained or more, then the you you don't give them an automatic check. Whereas if it's just like stealth plus seven, uh, then you you give give them like a secret check. check. Yeah. Um. So it got a little tricky because basically, uh, Matthew did an arcana check. Like bef- as it was like before it was happening, to like know something I can't remember what he was doing, but basically the Arcana check is what is the is the, is what you need to disable it. It's one of the options for disabling it, and so I considered uh, having that check just disable it. But the difference between what we do in a, in a home game is like I have to I have to raise the stakes for the optics of the audience, and I just thought that would be incredibly lame because at the end of the day I knew it was going to be just a tiny bit of damage and to let you guys figure it out and get sort of um, into what was happening it was more important for me to have that hazard wash over you um, so once it did I think Talitha rolled a high enough initiative that even though some of you took some initial damage she figured it out right away and was able to hold it back um, as it says uh, to will the material planes hold on the area back into firmness and disable the effect uh, for a certain amount of time. Dispel magic would have worked as well. Um, So I considered having her initial check before the hazard was essentially triggered and the hazard, but that just seemed
2: lame. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the only thing I'll say to that is it was not a little bit of damage. It was a horrifyingly massive amount of damage, which Brother Ramius didn't heal at all uh, with his channel of one. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the way the heal spell works. I guess I'll just give it more time. Uh, I I guess it's really about leveling up like the level two heal spell is going to do 2d8 on a channel. That's good. That 1d8 three actions is just, it feels so like just impotent. It feels like you're not doing anything. Whereas compared to the two action version, 1d8 plus eight to a single target which is awesome like you should just only use it for two action healing you should never use it to channel unless there's a very specific situation where you're like i don't know defeating a haunt or you are trying to uh bring back like stabilize three different people at the same time Mm -hmm. but outside of that it's just very like i don't know why would you ever use the three action version professor eric tell me where i'm wrong um one note here on an actual rules thing though and this is interesting I did not realize this. Talitha di- essentially disables the hazard with the successful arcana check yeah. and you say to and you say to Matthew like describe how you are mentally like f- like saving everyone from this hazard. A uh, little fun fact to keep in mind that that is essentially a disable check. It is not a recall knowledge check. So if uh Talitha is using disable or or using Arcana to disable the hazard, it is a two action thing. Disabling always is two actions oh, per interesting. attempt, not one action. Okay. So I didn't it, know that. That's it, yeah, really cool. Yeah, I didn't either. It didn't have a major impact, but you know, having not really played like a rogue yet, right? Like a lock picking rogue, I haven't really dug too much into disabling devices. And yeah, it's two actions. So thank you, Professor Eric, for the news.
0: I really love the way it played out. Uh, It just, it felt like, you know, ending the episode uh, with that coming over you, it felt a little early. It was a shorter ep uh, last week, but it just felt like a good place to end it. Um, If you guys had asked for a a perception check to notice it and then rolled Arcana before it triggered, I would have had you end it. But where you didn't perceive by the rules that it was happening. I, I liked that. Like I like, I uh, got to do a little damage and then she just used her mind to will it. It just, it felt cinematic and cool. And it was a complex hazard. Like you're really getting thrown a lot of difficult stuff right out the gate. And that's, so that's, what does this, that's percep- this what does this
2: requested perception check look like? You've like, never is, heard of this? No, I'm saying, do you like, do we need to say, can I do a perception here to see what's going on? Or do we need to say, I want to do a perception to see if this is a hazard. Okay. I would – either one would give you the
0: information that okay. you want. Yeah. Because like you're not going to constantly be looking for hazards like we're doing Tomb of Horrors. But right. like I think <laughs> just, just say I want to per- – What's going on here? I want to do a perception. Which I thought well, like, the Arcana check, check was for. Is.
2: Which is why. I was like, why do I need to add a perception check?
0: But Yeah, it's stealth plus seven. I'll so try, DC to, I'll try to err on the safe
2: side and ask for perception more often.
0: So for this one, stealth plus seven trained to notice the air and plants wavering and shifting. So it's a DC 17 perception check and you have to be at least trained in perception. And you have to ask for that because it has the trained there. Uh, and if you get that, then you notice that. Then I would have allowed that Arcana to subdue it. But where you hadn't noticed, technically noticed it by the rules of the game, you physically noticed it. It was washing over your feet. I was, I mean, it's easy for me to say, but I was fine with the way that I ruled
2: it. (laughs) I bet you were. (laughs) Um, Post this, uh, I do the treat wounds and I have a, 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 I, I do the channel. Brother Amius does the channel, very ineffective. So now I have to use bandages and stuff to just like treat wounds on Talitha and I get a crushing roll. And at that moment, I say, oh, man, Uh, I I was thinking about upping the DC because we were so down on hit points. Because you up the DC of a medicine check uh, to treat wounds, you can heal more hit points. We talked about this last week Mm -hmm. when we talked about critting on the medicine check to treat wounds. So I mentioned, oh, man, I wish I would have upped it. And Professor Eric points out that I am stupid and I had missed this point that you can't choose to up the DC until you're an expert in medicine. And then you can't choose to up it to the next level until you are a master in medicine. Like, I I believe it's like the way that it works. Or maybe you only have to be an expert, but you definitely have to be a floor expert before you can start increasing the DC to 20 and then to 30. Um, How interesting. So you just assumed you could do it. At any time, but that it would be foolish to do so because your bonus is
0: so low. Yeah, it's right there. If you're an expert in medicine, you can instead attempt a DC 20 check to increase HP by 10. If you're a master, yeah, so it's right there.
2: And it says if you're a master, right? Yeah. So yeah. I, I thought that I read that when I was going over this. Uh, so thank you to Eric. Um, okay. So <laughs> this is a great one. We've had we've had issues with this over the years. I absolutely love it. And I just want to get a sense from you. This shillelagh nonsense. <laughs> you do uh, the kind, in my opinion. Uh, you have a long history of doing the kind of pre buffing of enemies that you don't allow PCs to do. Uh, <laughs> is that an accurate statement?
0: Uh, no, I think that's a uh, a biased statement. Okay, uh, I, I I tend to like uh, usually follow the uh, suggestions in the book. It's like if the enemy knows they're coming, they will precast this, this, and this. So, if if, if the writers have given me that leeway, I almost always take it. Um, <laughs> now, but I but I try to stay true to that. I'm like, do they know you were coming? If they didn't, then I wouldn't do that. You know, <clears throat> that, that happens all the time. It's like, if the enemy knows, so-and-so is approaching, it precasts this, this, and this. Um, but, you know, if you guys are being particularly stealthy, uh, then I, I, I don't allow myself that. Mm-hmm. Unless I think it's going to be better um, For the show. You know, that's, that's the difference is like I, especially where there's five PCs, part of my adjustments is I'm always going to lean towards, uh, giving myself a little bit extra because I'm not changing ACs. I'm not changing to hits. So, like, if I can swing something a tiny bit in the enemy's favor, I'm going to do that for balance purposes. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to take that too, too far. Uh, so shillelagh was an easy thing there. But then I balance that by giving you guys a round where I'm not using shillelagh. I'm just throwing daggers at you. Yeah. It's like, okay, here's a chance. What do you want to do here? I'm giving you one round before I start laying you (laughs) up.
2: Before you are dead. Like (laughs) the shillelagh really is insane. Um and I wonder if this is we are stupid, or if this is a a conscious choice on your behalf, or or if I, I think that it's just being stupid. Um I think. So Professor Eric points out that the staff can be tricky because it is a one-handed weapon mm-hmm. that can be wielded two-handed. And it felt like when you annihilated Zephyr on that crit that you could have only possibly done it by using the two-handed base damage of what you do when it's two-handed. But he has no record of you ever saying you spent an action to grab it with the other hand, yeah. which takes an action. Is that a mistake? Is that an, an oversight?
0: um you know i don't know it's it's a funny thing right because it's a free action to remove your hand but it's an action to put your hand back on um i I really don't think i gave it too much thought um
2: yeah i don't know uh he said it's a good thing to keep in mind um you know, going forward because staffs are a thing, you know, they're, they're going to be around and they can easily be held in one hand or in two hands, but it is an action to hold it in, uh, re-gripping, uh, takes an action. And so that's a way that it kind of balances out because, I mean, that's a huge difference. You're talking about a D4 of damage base mm. versus a D8. And when you it, it's 2D4 versus 2D8, right? And then if you crit, Four D eight whatever two D eight times two, so it gets pretty brutal.
0: Yeah, I I would say it's probably an oversight, Um, but um, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. <laughs> you know, because I'm also like uh, I'm also doing things to like give you guys a chance by like moving further than I need to and whatnot. Whereas like I may be using extra actions that I didn't need to use that I could have used to regrip, but you know, I'll, I'll hold I'll hold myself that uh, hold myself to that more going forward um, you know and by say going forward i mean like by episode 15 or so since we recorded, yes, so we're recorded pretty far ahead uh, um because i would i would make you guys do it i, I get it you know at first it's kind of like why is this an action you know what i mean if it's free to
2: take off why is it cost but it's not just gripping it's like
0: w- wielding it's a it different for a set strike. right yeah, yeah. which is, is a really
2: good way to transition into uh let's see if we can bring this up here something uh i like to call where do we have it here the monastic archer stance. <laughs> oh, man. We're Let's gonna... go back to talking about this again.
0: I emailed Kate with my ruling. So how do you want to talk? <laughs> how do you want to talk about?
2: This? Well, it came up in the episode. Uh, yeah. Well, you emailed Kate about a ruling that you did not tell the audience about because you made a different ruling based on uh, what we were. what Professor Eric was saying last week. Um, you said that you could just drop the stance. Um, you know, no, I said
0: you could, you could, you could, that kicking and punching
2: would violate the requirements. Right, and right, that right, would right. right. So that and would then, automatically drop the stance.
0: Right. And um, then after the show, I looked at it again and I saw that there are actual require requirements, capital R, and that we were thinking of it more in terms of interpreting the sentence like, well, this, if you kick and punch, you're violating the requirements. Well, not technically. The requirements, uh, if you bring it back up are pretty clear. You're unarmored and wielding a longbow, shortbow, or bow with the monk trade. So let's just, let's take armor out of the equation. The way you violate the requirements is by dropping or stowing the bow. And the reason you would drop it instead of stow is that it's a free action to drop where it's a, an action to stow. Um, but then again, it's an action to pick it back up. So like I told Kate, it's like, once you go to mastic Archer Stance, you're pretty pot committed to doing that. And when you want to get out of it, you drop the bow and move on with your life, or drop the bow and use an action later to pick it up.
2: Yeah. Uh, What happens in this episode is we have a discussion over if her moving uh, drops the stance that she was holding. And Professor Eric writes in to say it does not drop the stance. You can move freely while in the stance. And so the new ruling that you're making and that we should be. Focused on going forward and I, we might miss this in a couple episodes, but down the line we'll obviously get it, is the way Kate is going to break monastic archer stance is simply by stowing or dropping the bow. So yeah. like she does that and then she's going to be out of the stance. Or quickly donning armor. Or quickly <laughs> – it's from somewhere. <laughs> hastily donning armor. Yeah. Um Okay, yeah, makes sense, very clean. I thought that mo- I thought that the stance meant like your feet are planted. Once you're out of that zone, you've left the stance, but that is not the case. You can move freely and still be part of that stance. The only yeah. thing that's going to change it is getting that bow out of your hand. Yeah.
1: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number 1 mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.
2: There's just a – it's so funny. It's like the two-handed shillelagh thing. It's just like on the crit on Zephyr. And then Professor Eric's next point is uh, same on Talitha. Then his next point is same on Brother Ramius because those oak stewards were just base tea-balling us. Yeah, I just – you know, I wouldn't
0: have thrown the dagger. I wouldn't have thrown the dagger. I would have
2: just started with it in two hands except for the guy that was sawing off the unicorns. Yeah, and he also Uh, says like I don't – not a major change in how things probably would have played out, uh. Except it's something he just says it's something to watch for staff combatants in the future who also cast. Yeah, for sure. That was
0: that was, was definitely an oversight. But uh, if I if I had thought about that, I still would have been able to do everything I did. Just used a different action economy.
2: Okay, two things left. and Then we're going to move on to listener mail. Uh, this is a good stuff. W- this is one of our blind spots. This is this is one of our blind. And I know this. We have role. a few. <laughs> I know. I absolutely know the the rule and i still just get it wrong uh i want to try to bring it up here on demiplane. um here it is so do 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 throw it right <laughs> up there dying uh oh, when yeah. you're dying you're bleeding or otherwise at death's door Blah 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 you must make a recovery check we're doing all this correctly your dying condition increases by one if you take damage while dying or by two if it's a critical hit if you lose the dying condition uh you blah 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 any here it is anytime you lose the dying condition you gain the wounded one condition or increase your wounded value condition by one if you already have that condition so the blind spot that i have or that we have is we always increase the wounded condition by the dying condition so if they were dying two and they come out of it we're like Okay, you are stable, but wounded too. Dude,
0: I do it all the time and you're just like, yep. <laughs> we just I think that you know why I, I, think I, I like, give
2: two thumbs up. I yeah, it's, I you know, I was like Hunda, I, honestly, Hunda. I think
0: that's how it was in the playtest. Unless I'm misremembering, I feel like that's how it was in the playtest, and they changed that. And we played a lot of playtests, and for some reason that's one of those things that stuck in. If not, I don't know. I kinda like that, bro. But it is it's so much more dangerous, right? Because now if you're wounded too. And you get crit again, you die. So it's stupid. And I bet you if it was the thing in the playtest, people were like... People are dying too much because of this. Just make it wounded one. And then if you die again, you go to wounded two. Uh, So that makes sense. But yeah, yeah, that's going to probably happen again for a few more episodes. Yeah, probably. But,
2: you know, I mean, knowing this campaign, it seems like we're going to be coming out of the dying condition an awful lot. So we, we do have to track that. And the way Professor Eric puts it, I think, is nice and simple, a very simple sentence. The dying value does not affect the wounded value. Wounded only tracks the number of times you've come back from dying. So yeah. one di- – a wounded one for each time you went unconscious and then came back. Uh, so That's pretty clear. Yeah. We
0: just got that wrong. Yeah, it's just, it's that's just that's a blind spot for team. us. It's,
2: it's, it's a funny little blind spot.
0: It's great though. I mean just realizing that uh, it's going to save lives. Because if we had played it the other way for all of book one, there would have been so many deaths. Totally. You know, cause people go down so much. And like, if you're wounded too, and you think that like, if you get crit, you're going to die, it changes how you're going to play. Now you've got to play defensively and you're not setting up your allies. Like your allies are fucked because you have to work synergistically. And if you're just like, I got to stay alive because if I get crit one more time, I'm going to die just because of a rules mistake. It, 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 there's a ripple effect of shit. So I'm glad. I'm glad that, uh, We caught that one.
2: This is something I don't want to get into today because I want to think a little bit more before I talk about it. But something happened in this episode to me in particular that uh, brought up an interesting question in my mind, which is how do you prioritize who you heal? Like when you're the healer and everybody's down and not just down like unconscious, like somebody's dying. Somebody else is at one hit point, but still up somebody, you know, how do you prioritize? Do you prioritize this like saving death? A character from death, you know, a, a, even a risk of death. Or do you, you know, keep up the one that's already up because they don't have to, like, get up from prone and pick up their weapons and all that stuff. And, do you keep and the damage dealer alive? Do you keep the, the Kamenba, damage dealer yeah. alive or do you keep the favorite character of the show alive? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is. Uh, that it, you power know, is all in your hands. Exactly. And I don't I it's it's interesting. And it came up in, in this episode and I made a decision. At the time and uh, listening back to it, I was like, this is an interesting conversation, I think, for another day as we keep uh, going through this adventure. I want to keep analyzing like when you've got two targets that both clearly need healing and channeling seems like a waste because it also will heal a living enemy. It's like, how do you prioritize? Um, It's fun strategy conversation. that I I love that kind of shit. Before listener mail. How great was the fucking unicorn? (laughs) Well, this is the last point. (laughs) Oh, there's one more point? Yeah, so this is the last point. I I want you to talk about the unicorn because uh, I believe that you could argue, looking at the map, uh, that there were times when the unicorn would just clearly attack the – the enemy because it was closer Sure. Um, then it, then it would go after, uh, you know, the, the person that freed it. And, but obviously option B going after lucky is far more dramatic and far more it's entertaining as a show. Yeah. It did that factor into your decision-making here at all. Uh, or were you just sort of like going with your gut at moment to moment?
0: Yeah. I mean, like sometimes when I read these adventures, I really care about what the author's intent is and, taking into account that like the author and the game designers are 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 thinking about balance when they give you certain suggestions you know like the unicorn attacks the nearest person whether it's an oak steward or a pc i think that's what it said in the thing other times I don't give a shit what it says. And especially when I'm
2: dealing Sorry, with five when, you, when you're talking about what well, you don't give a shit what it says, you're talking about tactics. But when ta- when they're suggested when they listed tactics.
0: Or or and this is this is you know, everything in the book is a suggestion, right? But like it says, uh uh if a character unties or cuts the ropes binding the unicorn, the terrified creature immediately attacks the nearest creature in the area, making no distinction between oak stewards and player characters. So that's what their intent is. That's not a suggestion. That's their intent. But I look at everything as a suggestion. And especially with five PCs, like these are just little things I can do to balance things um, it, without breaking the game and so for me it was like oh god of course i'm gonna attack sydney that is like the cinematic (laughs) choice here you dummy untie the unicorn uh that was great (laughs) and then later i'll do it again and then when you guys gave me grief i was like well let's roll a percentile and let's see Uh, to me that's just so much more exciting than just following what it says in the book and it's part of my balancing act for five pcs i think it's small little changes like that makes it more terrifying makes it more uh hardcore without in my opinion, breaking the game, I just don't. Care uh, yeah, honestly,
2: what yeah, honestly, I think in general it's always tough to argue th- with the GM about the actions of a wild animal. It's yeah. kind of hard because you know, you'd be like, a wild animal wouldn't be so shrewd as to attack this person that would be the most optimal for it to attack to hurt us the most or whatever. But it's it's a difficult argument to make because you can easily be like, yeah, well, you don't know; it's a wild animal. It might have just randomly chosen that target, right? Like, uh, it, it's a hard thing to argue, and so I think the safer bet, generally, if you're a player and you feel like your GM is unfairly kind of shifting random attacks toward you or your your allies in a way, like just just don't complain. <laughs> like try, <laughs> try not to, because it really is like it's wild. So you yeah. just kind of have to take it t- take it with a you know I don't know.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's just the GM always knows more than what the players do about the whole thing. Like the GM knows that like one of those Oak Stewards only has a couple hit points left or that this, you know, I'm looking at the time on the episode. I've got so many things that I'm trying to balance around. Me, you gotta
2: build to a great cliffy.
0: Yeah, me changing that this shit like there was a time when I would never do it, when I didn't feel as confident in um, you know, kind of straying from the author's and designer's intent. But now like I derive joy from doing whatever the fuck I want while staying within the rules of the game. To me, I'm not like giving the unicorn an extra three actions. You know what I mean? I'm just attacking this person then attacking. Them. And then I it went and like laid out one of the oaks to it. So it all balances. It, it out certainly
2: now. was amazing. Um, you know, looking back and, and re listening, you know, it, it reminded me how we felt at the table. It was a horrifying experience yeah, for that awesome. thing then enter the fray and be hurting us, uh, charging and goring Lucky with its horn. I mean, it was already bad enough that these shillelaghs were shellacking us. It like to add the, the, you know, mystical creature into the mix that's attacking us as well. Uh, a completely unexpected, uh, uh, combatant. It was just really in retrospect is awesome. At the time, it was terrifying.
0: It's so great because, you know, like, as written, I think that a lot of people will just, like, deal with the Oak Stewards and then, like, let's help this unicorn. And now you've got a new encounter. The fact that Lucky did it during the thing. It's just like a GM, like, when you set off a trap, like, yes, yes, yes. this is going to be so fun. And so now we end this week with, like, one of the Oak Stewards is, like, backing up. Is is, is she surrendering? Is she going to run? And the unicorn's still, wild. like, you You have to still deal with this. It's It's great. It's great. It's great.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I love the way it all shook out. Uh, good job, good ep. Uh, thank you, Professor Eric, for the the detailed rundown. And uh, now let's kick it over to you, nation. See what you want to talk about with a little uh, listener mail. Maybe I could get it started.
0: I'm already doing the the
2: beatbox. Yeah, why not? How it. about you just <laughs> sing it this? week? <laughs> some audio time for listener mail? <laughs> 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 that was pretty good Troy. <laughs> It's,
1: time it's, time it. it's oh, it. You gotta get your on it. 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 You gotta cue
2: that <laughs> All right. Uh, kicking us off today is going to be Melissa. Uh, Melissa has a question for you Sweet specifically, Melissa. Troy. Uh, this is a chunky one and I think that's interesting. Uh, I want you to just keep it quick because obviously you could drone on and on or say nothing, but just give us a tight little, uh, answer here. Melissa's curious, uh, going back to a, <sighs> An ep back in 2022 of the FOD, an old ep of the FOD uh, at the end of 2022. You wow. were talking about Gatewalkers, and you were talking about reading the books and how into it you were. But at that point, you had a printer copy of of uh, book two, but book three had not been released. Uh, Melissa was wondering, um, did you know how the written story was meant to resolve for the Gatewalkers AP before you got the third book? And if not. Uh, when you, when you saw it, you know, what were your, were you surprised when you finally received book three, uh, in terms of like how it ended and what are your kind of impressions on it? I only bring it up now because, This seems super, super intense. And you've been raving about this adventure, but you've also been saying how, how deadly it is. Uh, have you completed reading the third book and seeing kind of how the finale goes? Uh, and does it, uh, does it surprise you? Does it seem super deadly? I don't know. What are some of your early tease thoughts for looking forward to the end of this whole thing?
0: Yeah, no, I've read the whole thing. And, uh, even when I only had copies of one and two, like they, they summarize. What, what happens in book three, uh, a little bit in book one and then a little bit more in book three. Cause you, in book two, rather, cause you know, like what's happening next. And it's hard to talk about because like you are still just scraping the surface of this story. And so where this goes, I mean, you could put a, a hundred monkeys and a hundred typewriters. <laughs> you'd never come up with where this is about to go. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I w- once I finally read it, I was definitely curious. I was like, I gotta be careful how I say about this, but like how I say this, like I didn't know how it was going to um, come to a climax because there's just stuff that I'm like, I've never really dealt with this in 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 Pathfinder before, so I'm not sure how they're gonna do it. And I think they did it beautifully. I mean, I always talk about how it's this like their three top writers. Uh, they wrote they wrote uh, an amazing adventure, and even though it seems so far away, I also feel like we're kind of cooking through this book you know we're ahead in our recording and i feel like we're we're moving they're longer books but uh i'm excited to get there in a couple
2: of years. and are you um so all right i'm not going to keep pursuing this question line but i, I appreciate it and I, I appreciate your attention to detail there melissa Bringing up an old an old fod episode melissa's a feral cat on twitch i'm sure you recognize oh, okay, that name sure. and uh, melissa is looking forward to hanging with the niche for her first official trip to philly on December 1st. Ah. So yes,
0: Philly's almost sold out. We'll see you at the city winery. I'll tell you Uh, though, what man, like it's Pathfinder 2E is, is hard. This is a hard adventure and I'm the GM. So you would throw all those three things together. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be hairy, but like, I'm, I'm fine with that. I I really like the adjustments that I've made to the bottle cap system. I think it's going to be, like I said at the, at the start, a grittier adventure that will be all the richer for, um,
2: yeah. All right. Moving along. This one from Eric. Uh, greetings, Joe and Troy. When are you cowards coming <laughs> to Canada? Here's why I asked this question. Because we know we're not coming to Canada anytime soon. We had a real problem trying to get there in the first place. The question I want to pose to you is it's a serious question. Me? Yeah. Like, are we not going to Canada because we're cowards? We're just not willing to do the work to power through immigration law. (laughs) (laughs) Or uh... is it really that we tried our best and we just can't because of the law?
0: It's no, it's uh, neither is true. We just don't want to, uh, Lose a ton of money (laughs) because like the the cost of doing business in Canada to just do like two shows, we're doing like a long Canadian tour. It becomes a little bit more palatable because of the taxes that we have to
2: pay. To which I think Eric responds. Fucking A. Let's go. Right? Let's go. <laughs> 15 show tour. Uh, coast Manitoba. To coast.
0: Tuesday night. Um, I think that's not right. I didn't think that's the city. Uh, anyways, I, uh, I mean, I'd love to do multiple Canadian cities, but I think at most to start out with, we can do two. And so we have to make sure that the cost, I don't care if we break even, we can't. Like, lose (laughs) tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, because there's just just a lot
2: of financial – and it's not that we're worried about selling tickets. It's that there's a lot of, like, financial – you have to pay for the privilege to go to another country and make money off of their people. You have to pay a lot. Uh, for that privilege there are some fucking states
0: that we have to do that with like we're now going back there again because like there's certain laws in each state dude we've got to pay those we didn't have
2: if we didn't have to go to la on business to do a show we would never do a single show in california because the state of california is just like hey hey we want to let you know we don't want you here and we never want you back like that's what their laws are their tax laws basically say to any business so uh it is it is brutal and uh yes maybe we are a little bit cowardly but But what we're afraid of is going out of business.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to, you know, but I'll tell you, I have a meeting with our uh, our touring manager. Uh, I was supposed to have it last week, but I was still recovering. So possibly this week where we're going to look at the the 2024 dates. And I have those dates back on the the conversation to talk about uh, or the cities, rather, um, in Canada. So we'll see. I mean, last year, it was also kind of like he could not find us a venue that fit our needs i'm like well let's get on a little bit earlier and see if there's a way we could pull it off because i would just i would love to do it um but it's not cowardly i guess it is we're afraid of losing
2: money <laughs> exactly we're afraid of going out of business i don't uh, care if it's
0: a marketing expense though and we don't make bank like we don't need to make bank no no a, be a great marketing expense to like touch down with our uh, we
2: want to go i want to go so bad i want to go so bad so yeah, you know, we just gotta uh, we, we we just had problems with the Last year, we just ran into issues and we had to cancel. So uh, we are going to um, we're going to do our best, Eric. One more question. Let's get in one more before we get out of here today from Jeremy. uh, Jeremy writes in with one of those questions. You just you just have to ask because it's just so kind. Sometimes you need a little. Well, you don't need any more of an ego boost, but sometimes old Joe O'Brien could use one. Uh, Jeremy (laughs) says, hey, guys, as someone who would love to start an actual play podcast. I was wondering if there are any skills you think contributed to the initial success of the Glass Cannon. We know you're all great at improv and writing, but there, are there any behind-the-scenes skills that really helped you out? It's a good question. Hmm. Jeremy from Chesapeake, Virginia. Uh, I would say we both had uh, podcasts that uh didn't go anywhere. So, we had already racked up a little experience with recording, taping, editing, uh uploading, and we weren't doing that professionally for our jobs. You know, we we had just we were only doing it as a hobby, hobbyists, but we did put a little time in on that before this became successful in terms of production on the production end. And then we also I think we learned a very valuable lesson with those projects, which is It's really hard to imagine how much work it is until you really settle in and do it. And so one of the things – and the other things we did with Glass Cannon Podcast is tried to streamline our work and make sure that it was something we were going to enjoy doing week in and week out. That was a really big part of it too because we had to make it something that was sustainable. Podcasts are very difficult to sustain. Um, So yeah, I would say those are a couple of things that come to mind immediately. Uh, What about for you, Troy? Any – yeah
0: I mean just have to be willing to like do more than the next guy like be willing to be uncomfortable and like really make sure that you're putting out a product every single week
2: and uh,
0: yeah I mean that that it's a lot easier
2: said than done putting a lot, out a show yeah. every single week is really really challenging when you have a full time job it's really really challenging especially if you're going to be like one of the natural I think things to think is, well, what's going to make me different, right? Before I go into this, what's going to make my show different? How is my show going to be different? And you will put a lot of expectation on yourself to nine times out of 10, the different things, quote unquote, that you're going to do to differentiate yourself are going to be more work. So the more you keep adding those things to the list, and then our show is going to have this and it's going to have this that nobody else has. Make sure whatever ideas you have, you can do every single week for years. And if you can't, don't even start. Because it's like, it, it, you have to have that kind of consistency in order to grow an audience.
0: And you got to work on your craft. You know, like there's a lot of people I see, you know, I'm on social media a lot. that just like complain like, well, I can't, why can't I get on a, a show? Why can't I do, do this? Or they're just like, there's this one person in particular I'm thinking about. They're just sitting, they shit on everybody. It's like, why don't you, instead of doing that, why don't you go work on your fucking craft? Uh, you know, instead of asking, you know, begging for money to pay your bills, go work on your craft. And same thing. It's like you want to get better at something, work on your craft, run games outside of this, play in games, play with other GMs, see how they do things like uh that, that kind of stuff is going to set you apart because there might be someone that's better at improv than you. There might be somebody that's funnier than you. Um, but if you can be a, know the game better than uh, the next guy or you can have like find out what you do best and then do it better than anybody else you know i remember skid was taking like improv classes early on remember he was like mm-hmm. I'm doing this i'm gonna go take some improv classes just because we're, we're doing this i want to be better at that find any opportunity you can to like improve different elements of your game um that'll really help uh yeah god i yeah, can't and imagine what it'd be started out right now there's so many more uh people doing this than there were than than we did it and trying to stand out is is really tough
2: yeah, I think that one one mistake that could be easy to, to fall into is to say, okay, I'm going to start recording this campaign with my friends, and this show is going to be successful on the first try. You know, And it's just – you have to be willing to make mistakes and to learn from those mistakes. And one thing that would be a really, really great idea is taking the time to – to record, edit, make things that you're not intending to release. You know what I mean? Just dry runs, dry run after dry run after dry run to make sure that like Troy said, you're working your craft because the craft isn't just the performance. That's part of it. But additionally, it's It's the it's the recording quality. It's the room noise. It's the echoing. It's the microphones. It's buzz in the lines. You know, the, the the choices you make when you edit. And then having people listen to those that you trust that are close to you and say, like, what do you think? What do you like? What do you what don't you like? Because once you go in whole hog and you're putting it out there on uh on podcast apps and you're getting graphics and all this stuff, it's like you better make sure that you're putting out the best thing you've ever done. Otherwise it's never gonna rise to the top.
0: You have to, if like, if your goal is to just like do this and like see what happens, then yeah, do 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 the amount of work that you're able to do. Um, but if you want to really break it, you have to become obsessed with this. You have to become obsessed. Um It brings two things to mind. I remember before we released episodes one, two, and three, we had like spent all this time, got it all together. It was edited. It was this. I mean, those episodes still sound like shit compared to what we put out today, but like we were ready to upload it and I, there was like a little like, yeah. Like, it's something, and I couldn't figure it out, and it was because the of, an audio track on the beginning of each episode wasn't faded in, and it was just for some reason, no matter what I did, it...
2: It was literally only that. It was like...
0: That. And it was something you wouldn't even notice, and it was like, taking that out at, at our skill level at the time was going to be a lot of work when it was like, ready to go, or you ready to upload had to like, upload rebuild these. the
2: episodes. Yeah, yeah it
0: was a whole thing, and it was like, well, we have to do it. You know, I remember I remember you and I have that conversation it's like we got to do it so we did it. And it also come brings to mind um John Cassavetes. I don't know if you know Cassavetes. He's like the godfather of independent film. I became obsessed with his Another work. name. Um when I was working at Kim's video and just learning a more about American cinema and um so John Cassavetes is a really interesting guy where he would uh He would do these big holly, he got so disillusioned with Hollywood. He was like, I just want to, I want to get together with people I want to work with and I want to make movies. And at the time, no one was doing that because you couldn't fund movies. Movies were expensive. So he would just be a a nuisance on set to work with uh because he hated working in the Hollywood system he was the husband in rosemary's baby mm-hmm. so him and uh the directors uh, roman polanski roman would polanski. constantly be at odds cuz castfates could be a real asshole and he was just doing it so he could take that money and spend it all on making independent films and then between times uh, like he would take all the money he'd make for films and the first thing he would do is like take out the cast for like a way expensive dinner and spend all this money building like those relationships. And then they would go and make films together. And he would also do theater. So at one point, he's doing a play off, 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 off Broadway, just because like all he wanted to do was create. He just wanted to do work. And they had rehearsed for like 16 hours. This was like all non-union shit. 16 hours and people were like – you know, just really in the trenches creating this show or whatnot. And I think Peter Falk, we'll say Peter Falk, who was like one of his main collaborators was in the show and he left and he went home after a long day. They had been there for 16 hours and he was like, fuck, I left my keys or my wallet at the theater. So he goes back to the theater, downtown New York, goes in there and goes to grab his keys and he hears a sound coming from like backstage. He's like, what the fuck? Then. so he goes back there. He's like, Hey, who's back there? He's back. there. He goes all the way backstage into the men's room of the dressing room of the theater. And uh, Cassavetes is on his back five hours after they had been there for 16 hours, like uh, just fixing a toilet in the men's dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, that's that's the level of obsession you need to be if you want to be great. That's one example. Uh, it's like everything matters. Yeah, that's a good little story.
2: That's my it answer. is. It is a good little story, and uh, I guess you could call it a skill. I, I don't. I don't really know, but we are obsessive. We're we're obsessive, uh, and I think that, that that's going to be important for your project too. If you take, if you take everything too lightly with the quality of your product, uh, people are going to notice it, even if they can't really define it and say like, "Oh, it was because there was this little." at the start of the audio track like that's why i don't like that podcast no nobody would ever say that but they might in the back of their head subconsciously even be like oh it's not a really pro sounding show so i'm just gonna like move on to something else you you know and again that's a subconscious thought it's not even a conscious thought so being aware of uh, your audience's conscious and subconscious reactions to everything that you put out there is is super important uh all right let's let's wrap it up there that's that's a good one that's that's that was fun times. Uh fun time. thank you guys as always for hanging out with us. Uh play some tunage here on the way out. Uh oh boy that's going to be way way too loud. Uh man, self producing this stuff is for the birds, Lavelle. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great, buddy. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys as always for for coming and hanging out with us uh, every week we love we love getting a chance to connect with you on the fod uh hey who's gonna get that last vip ticket to chicago that's what i want to know are you <laughs> is it gonna be you <laughs> uh, thanks nash have a fantastic week and weekend and we'll see you next week for episode six lots to discuss it's gonna be a good one uh take it easy everybody see you next week bye bye you're listening to the Glass Cannon Network. For more podcasts and live streams, visit GlassCannonNetwork.com. And for exclusive shows and content you can't find anywhere else, subscribe today at JoinTheNaze.com.